You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Hello, everybody. My name is Whitney Baldwin. I work at the International Office. Um, I have lots of different roles, but today I get to talk to Pastor Solo Lozano, and he pastors a church down in Waco, Texas. Yes. Can you give us that name? Yes, Riverside Community Church. Riverside Community Church, in and w- they Waco, just... Waco, Texas. Yeah. They just recently uh, got into their very first, first building. First building, yeah. We've been mobile for, oh, two, two years, a little over two years. We've been mobile, packing up and loading and unpacking and loaded and setting up. And yep. We're official now. We have a, we have an address. You have a home. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So last time we got to talk on the podcast, we hinted that we were going to discuss what actually goes on in a youth group because you were a youth pastor for how many years? Uh, 19 years. 19 years before yes. you started Riverside. Right. So you've had a little bit of experience. Just a little bit. <laughs> And how large was your youth group? Um, Well, it's funny because we varied in size. When I first took over the youth ministry, um, we had about 15, and we grew up to about 80. Wow. um, During that time, of course, it sounds like, you know, it was always 80, but it wasn't, you know. Right. That's That's the high. That's the peak Mm -hmm. of it. Um, But, uh, yeah. and at its at our height, I guess you would say at our peak, we were running about eighty between eighty eighty five students, um, and then of course, like everything else, there's seasons and fluctuation. Right. But yeah. And Waco is a fairly small community. Yeah, we're about right at with with surrounding communities, we're about one hundred and eighty thousand. Okay. Um, and how many leaders did you have under you? Um, I had approximately about uh, thirteen to fourteen. Adult leaders. Adult leaders. And yeah, you and also incorporated youth in that. Student leaders. Yeah. Student leaders, we had probably around 8 to 10. Okay. Yeah. And that would include interns as well. Okay. As far as 8 to 10, in that 8 to 10. So we had interns and we had adult leaders. So it was just a big mix. That's pretty everybody. cool. I like to hear students being involved in leadership. It gives them ownership oh, yeah. of things. And I think it helps develop their identity um, as far as leadership goes, and then, you know, identity in Christ. Um, I think it's just well, really great to have student leaders. Yeah, it definitely um, it definitely helps them to find their place within the church. Yeah. Like big time. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, early on in ministry, there was, uh, this was years, years ago, um, there was the, the, uh, the percentage of backdoor uh, church students leaving the church in their in their senior year or after their senior year the back door was huge and um i can't even remember the percentage but um i made it my one of my efforts was to close that door as much as possible right. and so part of that was getting students involved as soon as i could into the church and into ministry so it wasn't just student leaders in the youth room it was student leaders throughout the church throughout the church yes love that yeah, I love well, not seeing even, young well, not, well, not even really student leaders in the church. It was literally students involved in the church, but then you had student leaders um, that were in taking a leadership role within the within youth the ministry. Youth. That's cool. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of the nitty gritty stuff that happens in a youth group. I grew up in a small church with a 
very small youth. Uh, we were all very, very close, and it wasn't always the greatest situation. Yeah. I was, uh, for a long time, the youngest, so I felt picked on a lot because I was the youngest. I wanted to hear from you about some of the challenges you had uh, with possibly some of your leaders. Let's start with the leaders. What, could, what are some of the problems that you might, that somebody else might have with a youth leader? So I think, I think probably one of the biggest challenges that, that I, uh, I was faced with was just um, helping, helping leaders understand submission, mm. you know, and, and communication. Because um, it, it's hard for people to submit sometimes when they have an idea of what youth ministry looks like right. and what, what this will work better for students or this won't work better for students, you know. So it, it, I, think, I think submission is probably the biggest challenge that I that I say that I faced as far as with um, working with with the leaders, both young and old, is older's not feeling like they had to sub- submit because they were I, they were older, and younger's feeling like they knew more. <laughs> they want, so they what I was when going you were going with. through like your acceptance part of allowing these leaders to come in, did you go through an interview process with them and ask why they wanted to help? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't have a, a interview process. Um, I really would just watch how different um, church members interacted with with my students, you know. So if I, you know, during a regular service or if we the church was having an event, a camp meeting, um, some sort of outreach, um, I would just watch how the different adults or, um, or mostly adults would would interact with students. And if I saw their interaction was really good with with, the, with just even if it was just a handful of students. Um, I would pr- I would most likely approach them and hey you think you might be able to help us out with this one event, and so then I would have them help with an event, and then kind of put them in the mix of it. Um, but one of the things that I did is um, that was me that was if I was if I was on if I was pursuing or having them come in, um, but a lot of times what happens uh, uh, I've saw and experienced is um, people will want to be involved in youth ministry, like hey I want to come help in youth. You know, and so they have this idea of like, I want to come in and I want to do youth ministry. And so when I when I the way I would handle uh, those individuals a lot of times is I would literally have them come in and literally just sit in service, sit in a youth service for about six to eight weeks. My goal was for them to actually see how we did youth ministry and the interaction and watch the interaction with other leaders, with students. And so they would come in almost as a visitor. And just come and sit in the service and just watch how everything trans transitioned, all the you know the the relationships, everything that was actually taking taking place, and they didn't have any they didn't have any say. They weren't doing announcements, you know. If, just watched how they interacted with the students um, from that perspective. Because a lot of times people say that they want to do something, but they really don't know what they're getting into, right. you know. Yep. And so we just and that you know, after they would be there for six to eight weeks, I would then approach the the current leaders, youth leaders, and student leaders, and be like, "What do you think about so and so? How's their how's their interaction with students?" And you know, sometimes they would be like, "Oh yeah, man, they'll be a good part of the team. They'd be an asset." And sometimes you're like, "Yeah, we probably don't want them up <laughs> up here because we were on the second floor. We probably don't want them upstairs." Would you have meetings with like your group leaders? Oh yeah, we had we had um would be equivalent to staff meetings. We used to call them youth leader meetings, Great. but be staff meetings. We would do those um, 
usually about every two weeks. We would have Often a meeting every then. two weeks. Yeah, we had every two weeks. So you guys were really um, cued into what each other was up to and the involvement. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were very, very active, very involved, intentional. Um, we did a, um, every year we did a, um, a planning meeting every year, um, which was a weekend. And then uh, we met uh, every two weeks and evaluate, adjust, and apply. Evaluate, adjust, and apply. To That's awesome. Every every. Uh, literally every month, so we were because we were that's how things. often youth change. Yeah, well, they change. They change that fast, um, but they're you, you have to remember that when you're dealing with young people, their emotions, oh um, man, m- emotionally, um, socially, uh, their intellectual. I mean, all their di- di- different areas. They're um, all over the place in that in that time and season of their life. So you can have a student that's doing really really good for two weeks and then a third week they're just crashing and burning you know and so um it sounds like you had a really great grasp on your leadership team oh yes and they sound really cued in to the youth yeah so you probably got to hear a lot of stories about what (laughs) your youth (laughs) was going through now this was this wasn't that long ago that you stepped down from being a youth Uh, pastor Three, about three years ago. Okay. Three and a half, four, three now, years ago. I know a lot changes in three and a half years. A ton has changed. But <laughs> a lot of it stays the same. A lot of the challenges that these kids are facing yeah. are the same. They could be even worse now. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, the evolution of social media and how much that is taking over, not just their lives, but their entire world. Right. A lot of times we... Um, stay so positive about what's going on in the youth. But I think it would really be beneficial for some of our youth ministers and even senior pastors to hear some of the difficulties that these kids might be facing so that they can better equip themselves to help these children. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your youth group? Um, I think, for me, the ones that stick out the most um, in, in my years of ministry was dealing, helping students deal with depression. I think dealing with dealing with uh, divorce. Oh yeah. Uh, and family issues right. was huge. Those are huge because um, you know the church. I feel like the church as a whole, we have this idea of what um, family looks like and mom and dad, and it's hard to say, well, God's your father, and then this young person has doesn't even know what, what a father a is <laughs> what, what a father relationship looks right. like you know for me my biggest challenge was how do I communicate and relate to a student who's cutting themselves when I that that's something that I would never even Far think of doing mind. you know um, so those were my big for me as a as a as a youth pastor um, working with young people um, trying to understand uh, and relate so I want to touch on depression and anxiety for a moment Um, It's something that's very tender to my heart. I didn't realize how much anxiety I had growing up Mm -hmm. until I was an adult. And then it was like, oh, this is an anxiety attack. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, isn't it funny how we get older and start realizing some things? Yeah. I also lost uh, my best friend from high school this year to suicide. Oh, wow. So, well, in 2018, I lost her. It is everywhere. Yeah. I feel like... At this moment, and because so many people talk about, oh, that makes me anxious, or 
you know, there's certain like key phrases out there where almost everybody identifies with some kind of depression or anxiety. Right. And I, I don't know if the church is immune to it. Well, I know the church isn't immune to it. Um, But I think the way that the church approaches it in the way that youth ministries approach it, I think we've been wrong. Um, Please expand on that. Um, well, when when coming from the Word of Faith background and right. uh, being in ministry for 20-something years and, and um, looking at how we handle things, understand the Word of God, understand speaking faith. But I think it's interesting how, um, you know, deal, I say dealing, coming through youth ministry and, and and understanding some things now, um, I think it's interesting how the church and pastors and leaders we're okay if um, if one of our church members or a student has to go to the hospital hospital or to the doctor for a physical issue, whether it's um, a cold, a virus, you know, it, it can be anything, any type of physical broken arm, leg, you know, like we're you know, we use your faith, but be wise, you know, go to the doctor, right? Right. But when it comes to depression, we don't offer that. We just like, no, you just got to speak the word right. and get a hold of your thoughts and get a hold of your mind and renew your mind right. and speak the word. Like, that's what we say. But I really feel like we're, ne- we're neglecting. If we were to treat the mental issues and the, and the emotional issues that more young people are dealing with today, if we were to treat those as physical issues, then we would say, you probably need to go to the doctor. Yes. You probably need to go... Uh, and I'm, I'm, you, you may get some hate mail on this. You might need to get put on medication. I'm sure it's you know? going to happen. <laughs> but I'm just saying that. But, but yeah. That so so my my thought process in after these years is, you know, um, yes, yes, the word is true. Yes, yeah. it's it's right. unfailing. But at the same time, just because the word is true and just because the word has power, doesn't necessarily mean that that individual, whether it's a person, a young person, a young adult, teenager preteen or even a full adult full grown adult doesn't necessarily mean that their faith is where the word is at right. so but what we've done well, I feel like what we've done in the church a lot of times is we expect them to be more efficient and uh, a lot stronger with mental issues right. and emotional issues but if you've Just got a broken yeah but if you've got a broken leg you need to go to the doctor. Right. <laughs> You're not going to walk on your fracture. You're going to go to the doctor. So I think we've missed it from that perspective. And, and because of that, the church has seen an increase of uh, young people and young adults dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, dealing with emotional issues. And we can't seem to understand what's going on. And I, I don't feel like it's not that they, they're just showing up. I think it's just that it's, it's more... Um, it's, it seems more prevalent because it was never addressed to start out right. with. It, I think it's always there. Right. It's just that now they're not teenagers, uh-huh. and you can't tell them, well, you, just, you need to get over right. it, and you need to speak the word and renew your mind and quote these 15 scriptures, memorize these 15 scriptures. And so now they're adults, and they're like, no, like I'm really having some issues here. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just going to relate this to myself because I feel like there's two different train of thoughts here. Um I really grabbed a hold of a certain scripture that actually did help me. But this one thing I do, forgetting the past and pressing on towards the right. future. First of all, it gave me ownership 
of what was causing me anxiety. I was one of those people that uh, would rehearse things that had happened to me in the past. I wasn't like anxious about future type things. I was tormented by past, my past mistakes. And so that scripture for me really helped me. Now on the flip side, my best friend, she actually had a chemical imbalance and right. it was a big thing. So there's two different things here. Exactly. exactly. There's, you know, what I went through and then there's the actual medical side of right. it that and does require medication. Right. I grew it, up thinking, meditate on the word, word medication right. is Ex- bad. Yeah. And now it's like, it's actually a very valid thing to use. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I know it seems like it's contradictory to the word, but um, Luke was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but a believer. Right. You know, so that, did he stop pressing, practicing medicine? You know, so I mean, it's, it, you can get into this whole right. debate of all that, but my, I think, I think that where, with a church, a lot of time is, is um, we approach depression, um, and anxiety um, and mental illness from a, an entirely different perspective than we approach physical ailments. And I think that's that's the biggest challenge that we, that that I think in youth ministry, I think that's where they're probably dealing with now because, yeah. you know, you have students that are, like you said, it's it's it just seems like there's more and more students, which, um, I mean, it, it's just going to get worse, right. you know, till, till Jesus gets right. here, it's going to get worse. But um, I, I, I do believe that the word of God is true. Oh, I believe yeah. that, that it's powerful. Um, but I think it's, it's, um, if you, if you look through the scriptures, it's, Jesus is always saying it, your faith has made you, whole. Right. you know? And so if their faith is not where it needs to be, then we have to, we have to offer them ways to be able to get them yep. to where their faith can, where they can receive what they need from God, you know, through his word. And I don't feel like, uh, of course I could be wrong, but I don't feel like a lot of times with the church in youth ministry and college ministry um, and even sometimes in, even in the, the adult ministry, I guess you would say, is it, we just kind of shrug that off, yeah. but we don't do that with like physical ailments. And I think that that's where I think where we miss it. And, and I, I, mean, I can honestly say that there was a period of, of time in ministry where I was in youth ministry that I was the same way. I'm like, man, you just need to get this word inside you and, and, and not knowing that, uh, the trauma or the things that students had dealt with, you know, and then when you start talking to me, like Mike man okay now i know why you need I, now I'm, yeah help. you need some help like you I, you don't need to come counsel with pastor cello you need you need to go counsel with a psychiatrist yes <laughs> you know and and a lot of times we don't we don't we don't like as as ministers and leaders it makes us look like we're incapable or uh, um we're incapable or god's unable to meet their needs and that's not necessarily true now you know in at what point did you involve the parents in this process because um, there are legal yeah. aspects usually, to it usually right off the bat I would usually that would be like the first thing is you know if, if there's if there's a student that approached me or if, if I heard about something that was going on I immediately went to the parents and said hey are you aware of this and this and this and this um, but I always I always tried to make sure that the students were aware and their parents were aware of the open line of communication okay so um, so as the students it, never felt like you were going behind their backs. Exactly, and that was yes, that's exactly right. And that is the most that's a big for deal. me as 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 a youth pastor, youth minister, as a youth uh, being a youth leader. That's the most important thing is not to drive a wedge 
between the parents and the students and not not have a wedge between yourself and the students. There has to be, the students have to understand, the parents have to understand that there has to be open line of communication between everyone. As soon as the student feels like you went behind their back or they shared information and you're, you're, you misled them or, or something like that, or misrepresented yourself, then they, they immediately shut down and they don't want to share anything anymore. They're right. no longer open. But um, making sure that the parents um, are fully aware of the dialogue that's taking place. Um, now, you do have to uh, keep in mind that you do have to coach parents sometimes right. on, how to, on how to communicate with their students because I've had situations where I would share with a parent and then they would just completely go off the handle mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, and it makes me look like the bad guy. It makes like the church look like the bad guy, and the, the parents all mad. So the students all upset, and I'm like, well, that's not even. I was just, I was telling you, mom and dad, so that you could be aware. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't saying to. I'm just like, hey, let's just want to be aware of this, you know. And so, but at the same time, uh, parents um, definitely need to be involved. Now, the hard part is when parents don't really want to be involved. When parents did don't you encounter really care. that often? Oh man, yeah, probably. It, and that it's sad. It's I'm a sad mom, because so that hurts me. Um, you know, parents they want you to fix their students, and they don't have nothing to they do with them. They don't want to be responsible for you it. You know, so they're like, "Well, you fix them, you talk to them." You know, and that's very, very difficult. So now you're making decisions, and you're trying to help make decisions that the parents don't even really care about. You know, like, okay, if that's what you want to do, if you think that's right, you know, and you're like, like, okay, I can't really do anything but suggest. You know. And then on the legal aspect of it, there are certain things where if you find out about something, you have to report it to the parents and to the authorities, to the authorities right away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sexual abuse, yep. potential suicide. Yes. Is there anything else? Um, well, with sexual abuse, uh, and then um, any type of well, I was going to say assault or anything, right. but when you when you deal with any type of um, well, now more so than then was. Um, what they what they call mental abuse or right. you know emotional abuse cyberbullying uh, is now yeah, becoming a big stuff, deal yeah. um you know that type of stuff you have to make sure that that more than anything the parents um and then uh with the physical uh especially with anything physical you have to make sure that the authorities know right. um and the idea is just so i mean I'll, different churches have may have different plans or uh systems in place but the main thing is that the the parents know and that the parents have to know that you're going to let the authorities Correct. know. Because I mean, the worst thing you can do is let the authorities know and don't, and tell, don't the tell the parents. That's the worst thing right. you can do. And you know, even, so. even if you are unsure if it's a truth or a lie, yeah. you hearing about it, you have to let somebody you know. You have to let somebody know. Yeah. I can't tell you how many churches I've heard of that did not inform authorities that only involved parents yes. and uh they got in big trouble. Yeah. Big, big, it, big trouble. Huge, it can create huge legal issues. Huge. Youth leaders went to jail yeah. over it type yeah. of situation. So we don't want to see that happening. Correct. If there's any kind of physical abuse, sexual abuse, or a potential... Call somebody. Yeah, call somebody <laughs> right away. Call the parents. Yeah. Call... And always... Oh, and always... Involve your always senior pastor. involve your senior pastor. Always involve your senior pastor. If you're pastor, a youth pastor or a youth leader, it is not a situation yes. that you deal with on your own. Yeah. You have somebody over you for a yes. reason to help you through this process. Yes. And then... You involve parents and authorities. Yes. And if you're a senior pastor, um, man, call somebody else. Like, you know, don't feel like you have to carry that whole thing yourself. You know, if you're a senior pastor, there's, there's, 
there are resources, um, uh, maybe not in your city but or town, maybe in your county or your state. Like, you can call somebody, hey, look, this is what's going on, you know. And the, the, I think the, the scary part of that for, for senior pastors is the concern of stigmatism or, or what might come out, you know, what's happening at your church. Um, but really, it's what you'd want to find out that didn't happen. That didn't happen, exactly. <laughs> well, they didn't say this you or they didn't, brought, they didn't bring this to attention. You mean found out about this and did nothing about did, it? That's, yeah, that's what you don't want to happen, you know. So, But, yeah, that's that's a definitely want to make sure that, that leadership knows what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Regar- regardless of how major or how minor right. it might seem. One other thing that I know is happening more and more um, in youth and in church in general is we're seeing an influx of homosexuality. Yeah. Um, possibly not necessarily like, you know, coupling in the church, but people coming into the church. And yeah. um, especially with youth, you know, now it's happening at a younger and younger age. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. So I just, and you had somebody in your youth that yeah, was. A couple of students. A couple of students yes. that were homosexual. So how did you navigate through that, first of all? And then I also want to hear how you taught others to deal with it. It's actually kind of one and the same. Okay. Uh, when the first the first um, time that uh, I had this, is I was probably, I was probably maybe my fourth or fifth year, and we had this young lady come in with her girlfriend. And um, my youth, my youth leaders and my student leaders were like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, you're letting them come in? Like, it was like, um, it was really, really crazy." I had to literally teach and coach them um, about walking in love. Like, right? Like, this is it's. We're not here to judge them. We're here to love them. Um, and so, um, they, my leaders, were wanting me to approach them like. You know, you, this is a sin. You're supposed to be, right. you know, you're not supposed to be doing this, this, and this. Um, but I didn't. Um, I approached that young that that young couple that that those two young ladies. I literally approached them as if it was a a boy and a girl. Uh-huh. So yeah. when I talked about relationships, I didn't address them directly. I didn't pull them in my office and say, "Hey, what are y'all doing?" I treated them just like they were one of my students in our congregation, in our youth ministry, the exact same way, which completely bothered most of the leader, almost every leader. I, well, most of the leader, I'll just say most of the leaders, it completely bothered them. Um, a lot of the student leaders, they didn't, they didn't agree with it. But I said, listen, if, if we can love them the same way that if it was a, a guy and a girl being a couple, if we could love them and treat them the same way, um, premarital sex is premarital sex. Period. <laughs> you know, um, so I mean, when you look at that, I mean, if you if you wouldn't let a, a a guy and a girl, young guy and a young girl, do some things, then if you treat those two young ladies the same way, and actually had a two young men the same that were also in the same kind of in the same boat, if you if we would, and I, talk, I shared with them, if you could treat them the same way that you would as if it was a, a regular couple, um, then you'll see the results of God moving in their life, just like you would as a regular couple. That's good. Instead of addressing what is actually there, you know. Um, and so out of that process, after about um, probably about nine or ten months, um, man, they broke up. And uh, I'm not sure what happened to the one girl. She stopped coming to the church. But the other girl, um, other young lady, um, ended up getting plugged into the youth ministry, got plugged into college ministry, oh, church, wow. got married, had kids. <gasps> wow. You know, um, I'm not sure what happened to the other lady. Um 
and then young man, one of the young men, kind of ex- almost a similar type situation. Um, but I had, I think we had a total of uh, three different uh, young people that came through our youth ministry that were either um, that were in homosexual, whether uh, young men or women that came through there. But by the time we got to the third, I think it was by the third one, our our leaders and our students completely. Um, approached it completely different than the way they the way they were feeling and looking at it from the beginning, um, and it it it's funny because as a church when we look at when we look at homosexuality, um, we we put that as a way higher sin, right. way like it's way up there yeah. on, on on your sin list, bigger than drugs. Um, but we're okay if we gossip and have unforgiveness i didn't know there was a sliding scale of sin <laughs> exactly is there you know, a rating system right, somewhere in yeah, the bible so i would like to know yeah yeah and so th- but but it's 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 funny that we joke about that but that's literally how we are as a church like we do that whether we we do it intentionally unintentionally knowingly unknowingly, we do it and the hardest thing is to fight against that is because um it's so much easier for us as individuals as believers to walk in unforgiveness than it is to watch somebody hold someone else's hand of the same sex. Right. Like it just, it's uncomfortable. We're okay, it, we're comfortable with unforgiveness. Right. It's fine. <laughs> but we're, un- we're uncomfortable with it's someone good. holding their hand. Anyway, so get them, I get on a soapbox here. <laughs> but, but, um, you're talking to a 31 year old. So, yeah, it's okay. so, you know, so, um, I, th- I think at the way the church approaches it, we have to really look at, um, what, what it means in Corinthians to love. You know what it what it means to um, to walk in love and to what it you know when Jesus says you know look I, he he didn't say I give you thirty two more commandments he says I give you just one he says love he says love the Lord God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind I say pocketbook change dreams everything and then love your neighbor as yourself you know and um, I'm not saying you have to agree with it I'm not saying that 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 um, you have to be like okay with it like you know against your beliefs but you have to understand that they're not where you're at right you know and i think the 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 biggest challenge for us as believers and as leaders is is understanding that the way that we believe as a believer believing on the lord jesus christ believing that um homosexuality is is not of god believing that way is not necessarily mean that somebody else believes the same way and when they are, when they walk into your church or when you see them at the mall or whatever, it's not our job to go and point what they're doing wrong. It's our job to love them. And I, I really believe that what we've done as a church is that we judge and then we point out faults. And especially when it comes to hom- the homosexuality aspect of it, um, I really feel like um, if we as believers could understand, look, the same way that we don't believe um, in in being a Buddhist can, it is a way to get to heaven. Being being um, uh, Muslim will get to heaven. They have their beliefs, right? But the same way that a homosexual uh, that culture of homosexuality uh, and homosexuals they don't necessarily believe the same way that we believe, but yet we expect them to convert. And we expect them to grab a hold of our beliefs. So if 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 someone of the uh, from the homosexuality community from that from that uh, community comes and they say, "Well, I don't believe the Bible," us telling them that it's a sin <laughs> and and that you're going to hell, 
um, that doesn't change their beliefs. It just strengthens their beliefs. That's right. It, it you know, it makes so, them deeper rooted. Yeah, and so um, oh. I think our uh, the, the in youth ministry, I think um, as a youth pastor and youth leaders, I think that the biggest thing is is for us to understand that sometimes the world walks more in love than the church does uh, from the aspect of, and I'm not saying, you have to understand that I'm not, when I say acceptance, I'm not saying that you have to agree with it. I'm just saying that when we always say that God accepts us as we are, but we don't do that to to others. (laughs) You know, like we want, come on, you know, God, it's okay if you do all this, but you're not, we're not going to let you sit at our table and have dinner with us if you don't, you know, if you're not of the, 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 the proper sexual preference, you know, and, and I, th- I feel like we, we tend to close the door on opportunities for God to move because of our personal preferences. And I think, I think that um, preference, pr- our, I think our personal preferences um, overshadow what we say we believe in the scriptures. Um, if, we, if we understand that loving someone in their sin, you know, like we always, we, we as a church, we say, uh, love the person, not, not the, the sin. sin, but we're really good about hating the sin and the person, <laughs> you know, so like, we're like, well, I don't really agree with this. So we, we have a tough time communicating and talking to those individuals, um, because it's uncomfortable. Like, I mean, let's just, let's just, it's, we'll just, I'll just say it. People, people don't, it's uncomfortable, especially for the older generation. It's really super uncomfortable, right. you know? Because um, everything was hidden for so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's now, not something they've had to deal with face to face for that long. Right. Like I right. Have. Yeah. So the more that the more that uh, it's, this sounds really bad, but the more that you're around it and you hear it, it's not that you're tolerable. It's just that you understand if you're if you're really working on your relationship with Christ and walking in love towards others, you actually see what your your issues your are. Your issues. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Your issues. I feel like. When you're when you're wanting to win somebody, and you're really wanting to to love them, it it goes way past what makes you feel comfortable, right. you know. And it's about being uncomfortable. It's about being, um, really just just being that living sacrifice. You know, like you're you want to sacrifice, then then have a relationship with somebody that is of 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 a different culture that you're even re- remotely closer to being around because it puts you in a very uncomfortable state. Yes, it does. You know, and, I mean, and like even having this conversation is uncomfortable because we know the backlash that could potentially right. come from this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the emails are getting yes, sent in. Yes, I'm going to receive you know. a lot of emails, but <laughs> we're having this conversation because it's something that's happening. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I want to make sure that we are responding appropriately. Recently, Lauren Daigle... Uh, a Christian singer right. was on the Ellen show Correct. and got huge backlash from the Christian church because yes. she didn't call out Ellen for being gay. Ellen probably isn't a Christian more than likely does not <laughs> believe the same thing as Lauren right. Daigle. So why would right. Lauren Daigle tell her she's wrong for believing or living a certain way right. when they don't have the same life expectations exactly. or moral compass. Right. Um, you know, and so I think that's a big deal is whenever you're speaking to somebody, if they don't believe the same as you, you don't have to try to convince them that they're wrong. And that's that's where I feel like that's where the church is when it comes to homosexuality, I think that's where the church has 
biggest obstacle is, is uh, we feel like it's our place right. to Correct point, everybody. Out, <laughs> point out and show them like you're doing wrong and how we should handle those those situations and those relationships. Um, but if I feel like if we do that and we focus on that aspect of it, we're literally doing more damage yes. to to the kingdom of God than we are advancing the kingdom of God. Um, I worked you know, in a salon and spa for years and years, and that's actually where I encountered my first gay friends. Yeah. And I had this one friend, and we had worked together for probably four years, and he knew my beliefs. I wasn't shy on them by any means, but right. I absolutely treated him like he was every anybody else. Right. And there was one day we were talking, and he actually looked at me and said, do you think God loves me? And I thought, that is the saddest question that has right. probably ever been asked of me. Of course God loves you. Right. And I also went and I said, but it's not meant for me to judge you. I'm just here to show you God's love for you. Exactly. And that actually opened up so many more conversations about God that we, yeah. that we had from that point on because he knew I wasn't judging him. I was just there to love him and to show him right. God's love for him. Yeah. I think we've reached a level of righteousness um, that no sinner can ever obtain to. Right. <laughs> and, and we do that while we're sinning. While we're sinning. <laughs> while we're in sin. You know, and, you know, and, and our, our biggest issue that I feel like we have with, with the homosexual community, you know, um, I, I actually read an article about, about um, that uh, interview and everything that took place in that, the backlash that she got. And um, I was just, I was just amazed that um, you had these, these believers that were speaking out and so outspoken, you know, and I'm just like, you just literally created a whole lot of work for the body of Christ. I that mean, you don't even, you don't even, cause now we, we're all in the same boat, you know? So like the world doesn't see any of us differently. Exactly. If we so identify like having, as Christian. Yeah, so, we are a crazy Christian. Yeah, exactly. So, when when those individuals spoke out against uh, against how her handling and that whole interview and all that took place, so now when when somebody knows that I'm a pastor now I'm immediately I'm immediately lumped into that same oh so yep. you think that that was wrong and I'm like oh my goodness man no. so now I've got thirty minutes of exp explaining that well I'm not quite like that <laughs> you know yeah and and I think that when when you come to youth ministry. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. When it is is there's um there's so much that young people are exposed to today that um when you look at when you look at that topic of of homosexuality and students and um I I I probably know this is crazy but the longer I've been in ministry I probably know more um I'm going to I was going to say young people more individuals that um are bouncing between homosexuality right. or are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to the same sex um, than I ever, I ever have. Like, it's I mean, fluid like, now. Yeah, you know, um, they call it sexual uh, fluidity. Yeah, I ha I literally, I can tell you of at least three. I, I know of at least three individuals um, that have been um, toying with, thinking about, and dealing with and those. I mean, in the last, probably in the last month I and a half, two months. I honestly think that this is something that has been tormenting people's minds for a long time. And I call it a torment because um, 
it's thoughts that nobody ever talked about. Right. And because nobody ever talked about it, nobody ever said, these are thoughts. Your thoughts right. don't control you. Right. Right. And that's going back to what I was saying before. Uh, uh, sometimes the world seems to be more loving than the church. Yeah, that's exactly more loving, right. More, lo- more loving more than believers. More accepting. Yeah, you know. They want to feel accepted. Yeah, and it, it's it's hard because the church, um, this, this, we, we, we can find ourselves bound in religion um, and not relationship. You know, and it's relationship that it's relationship that that brings people to salvation, not yep. not the not, religion, not the religion aspect of it. And it's hard. It's hard for us as believers, as as older adults um, to understand that you can love someone and have a relationship with them and them not believe the way that you do. Right. That's so difficult for us as a, as a church. You know, and if we if we can do that, if we can get that. I think we'll see the kingdom of God begin to expand and the love of God actually being expressed with student ministry and even with pastors is we have to, we have to love past um, what we see and experience. These are real things that are happening in youth all the time. Yeah. Constantly. And it's happening yeah. more and more and more and yeah, more it's and growing, more. Growing. Yeah. And there are, I'm, I know that there are churches, senior pastors, youth pastors that are listening to this that haven't encountered it yet. Right. It's coming. It's coming. There's, there's whether no way, they can, whether they want it to or not. Or whether not, they yes. If you have a church, you will have, I guarantee you, you will have someone that comes into your church that is bisexual, homosexual. Um, it don't, I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to find their way to your church. Right. If, if you're, if you're doing what God called you to do, if you have a heart for God and you have a heart for people, they will come through your door. If you are a light into the darkness, yes. they will be drawn gonna, to the light. They're going to come. They will come. So continue yep. to be the light is what yeah. we're trying to encourage yeah. people to do. Well, good conversation. It's This is a tough one, Solo. <laughs> Emails are coming. Emails are coming. Podcast phone calls. <laughs> this will be the last time you hear my voice on this right. podcast. <laughs> we're not leaving them two again. Along with microphones, we're in trouble. I just have to say I got Miss Cookie's (laughs) approval before I did this, everybody. She was like, go for it. So just so you know, Miss Cookie is behind this as I think it's important that we discuss as a a church, as ministry leaders, um, if we're not having these conversations and someone else is going to have their... That's so right. Somebody's going to have those conversations. All right, Solo. You're awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being willing to oh, talk absolutely. about this. It's tough. Oh, absolutely. Would you like to go ahead and pray for our churches and our youth leaders? Well, sure. And Amen. to end it? Yes. Well, Father, we just thank you right now, Lord, for all those that are listening, Lord God. We just ask that your spirit just uh, just give them the strength. Father, your word says that you're our encourager, Father, that you're, you're our go-to, Father. So we thank you, Father, that you, you give us the words, you give us the courage, you give us the ability, Father, to minister to those that are coming into our doors, into our ministries, into our youth ministries, into our churches, Father, that we're able to to show the love of God, Father. Even even if their belief systems, if their culture is not uh, the way that we believe, or or it's it's contrary to what we believe, Father. We thank you, Father, that we're able to just to show the love of God, Father. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to walk in love towards them, Father. Help us to make adjustments in our hearts, in our minds, in our attitudes, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. 
You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.